Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit w2mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Hello and welcome to another edition of Soccer to the Max, and I am your host, Sean DeGarmer, and here with me, Mr. Eric Watkins. Oh, yeah. It's been a pretty uh, slow week, hasn't it? Nothing yeah. really special going no, on. No, nothing has happened at all. Nothing. No big deal. Uh, yes, just just some huge events <laughs> that have happened, and, and one that they're trying to make an even bigger event that we'll talk about. I uh, just want to go ahead and mention that uh, Rachel uh, has work in uh, the morning, so she could not uh, join us. And it, quite possibly for a while, it made us see Eric and I. Um, so, hey, it's okay. We are, you know, we're going to keep rolling on here. Uh, going to miss Rachel a lot. She brings a certainly unique perspective that both of us are not going to be able to um you know, really do justice. You know, she does a great job of covering the women's game and does a heck of a job also covering like MLS and everything and wish her the best. She has a lot on her plate with school and work and, and still writing and everything else. So she's a champ and, you know, wish her the best. Of course, you know, we'll still be talking and she'll be around to give us uh, ideas and talk to us and everything. So hopefully... If maybe my my work schedule allows me to uh, move to the morning time, we can start earlier in the day, and she could she could be on the show more regularly. Uh, but for now, uh, with the way things stand, this is how the show's going to roll for the time being. But anyway, enough of the uh, of uh, that. We just want to remind you here that uh, you can, of course, watch us. Uh, live on Twitch every time we do a show. Tuesday nights is our regular episode, so this is going to be more of our, if you've been listening to us since we've returned, this is going to be follow that same format we've been doing with Headlines, Supporters Club, the topics, everything else. We will be doing a show tomorrow as well for the U.S. Men's National Team final game of the the first window between, uh, against Honduras. And uh, considering all the chat that's been going around, uh, this could be. Uh, this is now a monumental game. It seems like bigger than when when we had done that Canada show. So perhaps we'll have a lot to talk about when we're doing a show really late on <laughs> on Wednesday night, uh, early Thursday morning. So uh, that being said, let's uh, let's kick it off here. And Eric, your uh, your topic here. Very so, interesting what we've seen so far. Yeah, so uh, there's a couple things that can indeed stop World Cup qualifying throughout the, this little turbulent time. With the big one that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, Argentina and Brazil, where you thought everything was fine. Then a few minutes in, you see a flood of what turned about to be health officials storming the pitch. Saying, hey, whoa, 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 things aren't okay. You got a couple players that aren't supposed to be here. And everybody's like, what, what? So they're discussing its madness. And a couple of the Argentine players who flew, as it turns out, without permission from their clubs, Tottenham and Aston Villa, the Tottenham players are facing fines. 
They flew to the match or participated in the match, breaking Brazilian laws as far as quarantines. So the match was abandoned. They're trying to sort that out. They're looking for the players to be deported because there was, as we mentioned before, helicopters, armored cars, all sorts of things showing up to the round to really get these players. And it's like, you wonder what went behind their decision making to make all of this happen. Yeah, and you know what's weird is that like apparently Carnival, the Brazilian Federation, the Brazilian government had okayed this. And supposedly the medical, you know, contingent said, wait a minute, no. <laughs> uh I mean, when you guys were letting COVID just run rampant in your country, nobody was like really going absolutely crazy about this. But all of a sudden for a soccer match, we got to have helicopters and the police and everyone showing up on, uh, in, in anything. And, in, in, uh, in so it's, it's like, is it really about the medical team having the most power is it, or is there something else going on? And, and this is the rub because if you look at the policies for those who were traveling within South America, they basically got football passes. They could go play throughout the different Conmebol matches. If you're traveling even within Brazil, you would be okay. But it's the fact that they flew from overseas that all of a sudden puts a monkey wrench in it. So you're wondering, okay, if you were trying to go ahead and bend to make these matches happen, well, you knew somebody was going to do something to go ahead and get around those rules. Yeah, I, that's the thing, is, is right. It's like Villa and Spurs went against the ruling of everyone else because it wasn't supposed to be like Spain, where Spain was, they never agreed to this like whole board, like Serie A and Premier League. Mm-hmm. Spain was a club by club. We're going to go with this, but we're also going to, every club has the opportunity to do what they want. Mm-hmm. Whereas the EPL was supposed to be across the board. Everybody was agreeing to, no, we're not going to, co- we're not going to release the players. And then all of a sudden, uh, now Romero, who is one of the players, had come out in the media and said, you're not going to stop us. We're going to find a way to go whether you want to or not. So I think maybe Spurs and Villa kind of didn't want to deal with <clears throat> some angry players and let them go. But it's really weird that you're the only two teams. And, of course, it's Argentina. It's not like Argentina doesn't have other players they could have put in, their, put in right. that spot. I don't know. I get it. Argentina's also saying their federation saying, well, these are not the protocols we agreed to. We agreed to the ones that were in the Copa America, which are not the same as these. And the, every federation is pointing the finger, right? It's very much like what happened with the Marseille and Nice thing that we talked about, where both of them were, both teams are pointing the finger at the other. Um, and it's like, why, you know, nobody's going to really fess up to say oh, it's our fault. We shouldn't have done that, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not surprising, but it's like, is FIFA going to rule here in one way or the other? Are they going to make them replay the match? Like, what is going to happen here? Well, obviously, because this is the second thing that they have to deal with now, they would, I would think, have some way to try to play the match. Or unless they can make some sort of agreement with Commonwealth, 
Maybe Brazil gets a win, even though the match started. Maybe since it was abandoned, you pick it back up at that point or what have you. I don't know, but it's going to be very, very crazy. Then, yeah, go ahead because there's a worse one than this. Yeah, while all of this was going on, Guinea and Morocco were set to play as well in African World Cup qualifying. But there was a very, very dramatic twist. Now, for this one, because of the, depending on reporting, various reports, a successful or not coup d'etat that happened the morning the match was supposed to take place. A Lots of reports from players, gunfire all around the city, some horrific images that have come out. Players, referees pretty much said, hey, we were told, stay in our hotel, stay away from doors and windows. And now CAF and FIFA are both scrambling, not just for the sake of the match, but for the players' safety to try to get those referees and everyone with Morocco out of the country. Whew. Yeah, just that is a, a big, that's almost like Argentina 1978 mm-hmm. going on here. Like this is, that's a ex, very extreme case on that end. Like, wow. You know, and how this involves uh football match, a soccer match is that's crazy. Yeah, if it wasn't for me seeing what was going on with Argentina in Brazil, and then they mentioned that blurb about Guinea and Morocco, I would have never heard about it. As crazy as that is. Yeah, man. It's like, you think these things wouldn't happen just because soccer is happening. But it's mm-hmm. it's amazing that um, it, it doesn't matter at times. Well, I mean, you have situations going back all the way to 1967 when Pele was playing, I believe, in Nigeria, and there was a 10-day ceasefire just so he could play in that match. I believe, who was it? Uh, Two Central American countries that basically had the football war in the 70s. So it gets nuts. It's interesting uh, at that front, and if you haven't seen either one of these, moments uh certainly the uh brazil argentina is obviously going to be a big deal because it has both Neymar and messi involved and they're kind of both mm-hmm. standing there like what are we gonna do at this, this point they were looking but, around and it was like um what now <laughs> yeah what what do we do now and then of course they they might get to go back to psc and joke about that i'm sure <laughs> uh, as well um, but would have been interesting because that would have been a big game for both of these squads. I mean, if Brazil were able to get a result at some point, um, you know, you're talking about leading that table um, really, you know, with a commanding lead over Argentina, having a nine point gap between them and Argentina, if they were able to win, if Argentina are able to win, they closed that gap to three between them and Brazil. So, you know, that's a, it was a major game. And especially the form that Argentina was in, especially having come off that win for Copa America, that was um, a big game. And so, yeah, with, like you're with saying, the- Eric, weird that you're not going to, and if he has to really make a big decision, like that's a big game 
Yeah. That you're going to say, look, yes, Brazil, Argentina make the, the World Cup either way. But remember, if this is all going towards qualifying and, and towards that FIFA ranking, which does matter for, you know, the draw and everything, mm-hmm. that game is important. Yeah, and especially yeah. if it's between Argentina, let's say Ecuador and, and Uruguay right now. Now, obviously, there's a lot of games to play. But right cool. now, Ecuador and Uruguay are within three points of Argentina. Like, that can be the difference between one of those teams getting second, you know, because Argentina doesn't have those three points or, or whatever. So they got to figure out what to do with this. Yeah, and especially even with the form that Brazil is on, being so dominant in Conma Bowl, just tearing through. Yeah, what happens? So it's going to be must see TV to figure out exactly how FIFA and Common Ball handle this, especially with stay tuned for later, other plans that FIFA has in mind. Yeah, FIFA definitely has some uh big plans in mind. But before we get to that topic, I wanted to get to uh my topic here just because it has to do more with the World Cup qualifying, whereas the, the one that Eric has is uh, much more in general and something we don't even know how far it's really going to get in the scheme of things. But this did happen. Uh, and I'm talking about the terrible – I'm sorry it's terrible that we're in 2021 and we still have to talk about this. But in the England and Hungary match, uh, which was their first match that England had, uh, in the three-game window of World Cup qualifying, they defeated Hungary. Um, that wasn't necessarily the reason why this was happening, but uh, Hungary was uh, had had some racist chants, and uh, not only racist chants, but they booed the kneel that the we know that the Premier League players have been doing ever before every game. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That from the start, I think, told you everything you wanted to know about how they felt about this. And then the worst part is they threw cups onto the field as well, or onto the pitch, I'm sorry. And, and of course, Declan Rice had to have a moment to uh, drink from one of them just to mock them a little bit. I, I think you need to have some levity when you're ha- at times when you're having such a serious thing going on. But um, obviously, Eric, this is an awful thing, but I think what – is the bigger thing for me is Hungary already had a two-game stadium ban put on by UEFA. FIFA, however, did not have any kind of ban. And because this is a FIFA event, this was allowed to go on. And I'm not understanding. I get it, two different governing bodies, but FIFA is supposed to be the ultimate governing body. Mm -hmm. Why, when it comes to punishment, when it comes to something that you know can cause a problem, would you not already honor what that confederation has set forth? If you know UEFA has a two-game ban on hungry fans being able to come into that stadium, you should honor that and say, guess what, I'm sorry, but these are still the same. Although they may not be the exact same people that go to both events, the likelihood of there being a large crossover is extremely there, especially for the, and you know, this is not the general hungry populace. These no. are once again, ultras. Oh These yeah. Once again, hardcore fans, hooligans, whatever you want to call them. 
there is a large chance that there is a major crossover between both events. Why would you not honor that? Very much so. And even with this sort of a thing, yes, these are two UEFA countries. This is UEFA's portion of it. But I absolutely agree. UEFA has said, hey, we're not tolerating this within our Confederation's borders. Even though it's a FIFA event for qualifying, it is how UEFA determines their qualifying. It's their own unique part of it. So yes, this should have happened. And if I'm UEFA, not only am I coming down even harder on Hungary because of this, I'm directly looking at FIFA and saying, if you're not backing this, we'll take this to Luzon or the Court of Arbitration for Sport because this is a bad look for us, even more so than it's a bad look for you. So this is something that's really going to have to be examined thoroughly and, in my opinion, legally. Yeah, certainly. I, I know the FA is going to going to be once this this round is over and they're not having the players there, they're going to be seriously going after FIFA for this. Mm-hmm. And as well, they should. Their players should not be subjected to this kind of not um, at all terrible uh, racist behavior, especially when they're going over there to play a football match. We're not we're not talking about anything political, anything like that. This no. is very much just going over there to do their job, and they should not have to deal with that uh, in and, any form. Yeah, and on the heels of what happened and all the reports that came out after the uh, Euro final, England and Italy, so you had all of that to deal with. Now you're dealing with this when you're trying to get something quelled. What are you really going to do when you're doing your best, but all their powers at be said, ah, no thanks. That's why I really appreciate Gareth Southgate ending his part of the press conference on that by saying we need to get our own house in order, mm-hmm. uh, noting that same thing about the Euros, about how people, and this is not just happening in, in soccer, this is happening in the American sports as well. People all of a sudden, they go back outside after having to be yep. locked down and apparently forgot how to act. And that's just called common decency, common humanity. Uh, you should not be doing those things. And it's it's crazy to me that we're still having to deal with that. Um, and, and again, it's not saying anything about the country in general. We understand <clears throat> it is some very hardcore, terrible people that just wanted to cause a scene, cause attention yeah. uh, that did this. And sadly, unfortunately, because you can't find all of those people, the team has to suffer. And also, I get it that this is what you do, and I get it again that that you may not be pointing it at those people, but why as a team are you going and doing the applauding the audience after the game, after what was done? I would not face that crowd. I would go into the back of the changing room and just yeah. say, listen, we're not, we're not going to applaud this. Yeah. What, whatever this section of the, of the fan base did is not acceptable. And, yeah. and the manager and, and the players should have, um, you know, done the same thing there. Yeah. They and, they didn't. and I don't know. I've heard a lot of things we won't get into 
as far as like a deeper spectrum with Hungary, what's going on there, maybe this does kind of feed into that greater issue. That line is getting very, very blurry. But either way, if that is indeed the case, then you're looking at a much bigger problem than just what took place on that pitch. Because if it's to that point, then you can make a good bet it's going to happen again and again. And then what do you really do as UEFA? What do you do as FIFA? Because if that's very widespread and prevalent, would you really expect the Hungarian FA to stop it? Not entirely. No. Uh, And they probably wouldn't. And it's sad that that's a thing, apparently. But... Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully traveling to Poland, this does not happen, uh, for England again, uh, or we don't really see this, the rest of the games, uh, that we have left in this window. Um, it's only, uh, only one set of games that haven't been played and that's, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so just got to get through those games and that'll be it for, uh, this window for a lot of, uh, teams until we get to October. Once again, where this starts all over. So, you know, uh, this is a this is a a major thing that we'll have to keep an eye on here mm-hmm. as time moves on uh, for these World Cup qualifiers and what happens there. So, moving on to uh, the uh, I guess major topic for this show is something that has been. I feel like it hasn't been talked about enough, mainly because it's still in the planning stages, right? It's not something that has gained a lot of ground. And what is going to happen if this does gain ground? Because right now, FIFA has Arsene Wenger, you know, our legendary Arsenal coach, Mm -hmm. going out there and trying to get this a, a trying to get this promoted, trying to get this. Uh, but I'll go ahead and uh, I guess say my piece on it before going on to Eric. Hopefully, he'll come back in a few here. But what I'm alluding to is the decision by FIFA to go ahead and really start trying to make a point about having the World Cup be every two years. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Oh, uh, boy, things happen. Well, but you actually had mentioned that and kind of set me up perfectly because we mentioned Arsene Wenger. He's been kind of spearheading this idea of not just the biennial World Cup, but literally having will be a World Cup every year alternating between men's and women's tournaments. Yeah. But essentially, you would have a men's World Cup every two years instead of every yeah. four years. Right. And same thing with you know, women's tournament. You have a women's World yeah. Cup every two years as well. Since with all of this, it's not just Arsene Wenger's on board. Saudi France Arabia's is on, on board. board. Yeah, France, Saudi Arabia. France is on board, are they? Yes. I thought it was only Saudi Arabia right now. Really? France oh. is on board. Okay. For Saudi Arabia, France, and Commonwealth. All of them say, hey, we're down for this. Combo so must, uh, must not care about killing the Copa America because, like, and I understand that it, whether they where the gold cup keeps going, I don't maybe is a big deal for the Caribbean countries mm-hmm. and some of the Central American countries, but 
for the bigger countries, that doesn't really matter. I think what matters here a lot is most of UEFA is not, and UEFA itself is very concerned about this because this would obviously affect the Euros uh, big time, uh, you know, because they're held basically the other two, uh, the other two years that you don't have a World Cup or whatever, it's the Euros. So, exactly. You know, now you're basically taking their spot, and then it almost makes the Euros kind of like feel like, well, do they matter? Do, do we care about them that much if there's a World Cup every two years? I mean, yeah, it's cool to have a more of a World Cup, but also you're now you're I get obviously FIFA doesn't give two two craps about the Olympics. And for yeah. them, the Olympics could not exist for soccer and they would be totally fine. Yeah. But and this is my big thing because if they were to do this the big thing would be, okay, do you have your confederational championships, Gold Cup, Euros, Copa America, do you have them act as qualifiers? How do you fit them in the different international windows? One thing that I had mentioned, okay, you already have the Olympics as a full senior tournament for women. Do you make it a full senior tournament? And then you just go ahead and create a different U23 system or a tournament for the men. So it's how are you going to feasibly pull this off and flood the calendar? Because you're going to be losing huge swaths of matches if you do this. What are you comfortable losing and what are the confederations comfortable losing? Yeah, this a tremendous deal because the con- the confederations who would honestly benefit mainly Asia, Africa certainly because they have different types of championships every two years. They can adjust to that. Oceania, of course, but your bigger confederations among that, that's a major, major adjustment to their schedules. Major yeah, I mean, we don't know how much revenue the African Cup of Nations or the Asian Cup uh, mm-hmm. bring in for those countries. Uh, you know, those get alternated on who hosts them as well. It's not like the World Cup where, I'm sorry, but there are certain countries that they're not, they're just not going to go to anymore. And no. they've said it themselves. After the South Africa World Cup, it they said it would be very hard for them to go back to Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Asian countries depending on which country we're talking about, it's difficult for them to go to those countries because the time difference. Look at the Olympics this year being played, being in Japan. How many things were, were missed? I mean, now granted, a lot of people are used to the Olympics. You watch things on tape delay Mm -hmm. or whatever, but you have to think about with social media, with the prevalence of everything being in your face now. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect example with that. It's so hard not to wake up and just see the score or get spoiled. Yeah, perfect example of this. Imagine if you had social media, Facebook, Twitter, and everything as it is now, when you had the O2 World Cup in Korea and Japan. Yeah. The U.S. during their shock run, those matches were live 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Exactly. All the people who were up late night, they're going to be talking about it. And then what would be the point of re-airing when everybody knows and has clips and all these things? 
you're right. You wake up the next day, it's spoiled. Then what? Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's just, that's the thing is, so there's only certain places you're going to have World Cups now. Mm-hmm. And that is also, again, even the Euros, like, now granted, they said they would probably never do what happened with the Euro 2020, where they did it in so many different places or whatever. Yeah. But still having the two host nations or three host nations, mm-hmm. like with the World Cup 2026, um, you know, that could still happen. And so you can have these smaller countries be involved in that. If yeah. you take a lot of that away, or at least the relevance of that, right? Like, again, you also have to look at the players. Now, granted, this is cool for every, okay, this is cool from a commercial perspective, a marketing yep. perspective. Yep. Uh, all all the making money perspectives. Yeah. All the oh well, we get to see the World Cup more often, so that's cool. But look at the players. That mm-hmm. the players already play so many games throughout a regular club season for so many of these leagues. They play cup games. They play Champions League. If you're in the Champions League, Europa Conference. Uh, and then you're playing your league season, yeah. you uh, could, playoffs. You could easily yeah. 50 to 60 matches a year for your yeah, And then, so let's say everything stays the same, right? So then you have your confederations tournament, and then you also have a World Cup every two years now. And it's like, that is a lot. That is a <laughs> lot for those players. It really yeah. is. And while I know some players would love the opportunity to be able to play in more World Cups throughout their career, I get that. But at the same time, you're right. There would have to be at least some sort of balance in each confederation, specifically UEFA, with all of their tournaments or their continental club tournaments, they would have to say, okay. Some of these may have to go. Well, players yeah. may not I be mean, injured. there is a way to do this, right? In that, what if you do some kind of the idea that FIFA wanted to do eventually, right? Was a global Nations League. Um, what if you do a global Nations League to do qualifying, right? And so yeah. there's not so many fixtures because... Not only that, right? You would have then have to have World Cup qualifying the year in between the two World Cups. So essentially, you're always doing World Cup stuff. Exactly. That's what I was saying. You would have to make some sort of confederational championship, like how CONCACAF did it back in the 80s. The top team at the final round of World Cup qualifying for 86 got the CONCACAF championship trophy. You would yeah. have to do something like that. Or either, as you say, all of those confederational championships acting as qualifiers. Yeah, or, basically it's your your Confed Cup, the, the idea yeah. that they have with the Confed Cup, right? Yeah. Of now those Confed Cups, those confederation championships are now essentially World Cup qualifying. Exactly. So you, and and then Gold Cup would have to be every four years. African Cup of Nations would have to be uh, well, they would have to be every two years now. Yeah. So everything that's, that's the problem too, right? Is mm-hmm. if you do it that way, then Euros has to be every two years. Yep. 
uh, everything else has to be every two. Copa America has to be every two years or yep. or whatever. So it's like that's the pro. It's again, this is great for a commercial perspective, but for the players, mm-hmm. for the exhaustion level, yeah, for right, just of, the sheer logistics of and, and and this is for fans too, right? Because mm-hmm. who's who's going to go to these games? The same fans. Mm-hmm. Are they going to have money every single year to be able to pay for these grand events that you're going to have to put on around the world to just be able to do a World Cup every two years? And then not only that, it's just like you're also watering it down. Yep. So do people care the same way? Because it's the same thing as uh, the Winter and Summer Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the Winter Olympics just don't get the same amount of play that the Summer Olympics do, right? Whether it's because of certain sports yeah. or whatever, they don't get the same amount of love a lot of times. Now, this this uh, Olympics that just happened is a total anomaly because of COVID and Japan mm-hmm. didn't even want to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Japanese uh, people didn't want it. Like it was not something that was really celebrated, to be honest. No. Uh, so, putting that one aside, traditionally the summer Olympic games have a much bigger uh, cachet and everything than the winter Olympics do. And it's crazy to think that the winter Olympic games are about to happen this this summer as or this this winter as well. Yeah, the, but yeah, the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Whole other story yet again for this time around. We're now five months away there in February. And the reason why the Winter Olympics moved up until 92, the Winter and Summer Olympics were in the same calendar year. Then the IOC was like, okay, this is a problem organizing everything with this in the same year and all this and that. Plus, the Winter Olympics so much smaller, fewer sports, fewer athletes. To have to have it in specific climates and things, let's move it. So then after Albertville in 92, they immediately moved it to Lillehammer in 94. And they've been on that alternate path ever since. But even with that, you're right. Unless you're hockey, curling like I am, biathlon like I am, or figure skating or whatever, you don't really care about the Winter Olympics. You don't. Yeah. So that gets pushed aside. So with these tournaments. They're going to gradually get pushed aside. And even if they implement the idea of a global nations, how are you going to tie that into best teams in each confederation anyways? You're going to have to somehow. Otherwise, all of those tournaments would be scrapped. Yeah, certainly. It's just that this is a, it's a logistical nightmare, honestly, mm-hmm. for, I mean, you can look, it's a cool sounding thing. On paper, of I want the world, I want more World Cups. I want to see this. I want to, but I think honestly, there are so many people that, again, with the availability of club football, Mm -hmm. uh, especially of the top five leagues, the more you kick the ball down that road and the more they're available, I wonder sometimes if the international game, the more you water it down, the more you could hurt it then help yeah. it. And, and then just 
there's so again like you only have such of an availability of players like unless you're gonna do like the olympics and and limit the player pool right or, or something mm-hmm. like you're gonna start seeing players go well you know what i'm gonna opt out of this one yeah or or you know it's like do you stand a chance of there being a lot of backlash against us? I think, especially in Europe, of course, Commonwealth is going to say, yes, they want money. Like mm-hmm. they, these, this is the same confederation that just had a freaking Copa America in Brazil that has yep. one of the worst COVID rates. And, and at the time, and probably still even now. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're really gonna do that just to have a Copa America? Like, and they, yeah, and they intentionally wanted the Copa America. After they said with Argentina, it's like, hey, you know, we've got this going on. This isn't happening. Brazil was like, come on here, even though it was an extra tournament, and they've had two extra Copas alongside the regularly scheduled ones just in the past five years. I don't know. I don't know how you make this necessarily work, but it's just not, it's, it's almost like the super league to me. It's just not a good idea. I don't know. There's something special about knowing, Mm -hmm. man, we got to get through a long time. Exactly. The next one. Again. And I get it. Like there's a weight there. There's a, Oh man, something could really happen in that four years before the next one. Like, it's a nice idea in theory, but it's just like, man, they would really have to sacrifice a lot to make that happen. And with many of these confederate, I mean, a lot of these confederations, UEFA is really the only one that can stand against them. Mm-hmm. But you also can't have a World Cup without UEFA. No. So you can't. That's I mean, you can't, but it won't the- be legitimate. Yeah, because if you look at it, Uruguay still complains. European teams didn't want to travel for the inaugural tournament in 1930. Plus, with the makeup now of 32 teams, 13 UEFA spots. When you expand it in 2026 to the 48, 16 UEFA spots. How are you going to yeah, have a, a quarter of the tur- a quarter of the tournament, team? right? Yeah. Or a third. Yeah, it's like, how are you going to do a World Cup with? I mean, you're talking about the, one of the reasons why they're doing it is because, oh, well, there's countries that never get in that maybe they would get in this way. I was like, well, yeah, maybe, I guess, in Europe or in, I don't know. I mean, the chance is there, obviously, right? Their idea mm-hmm. is, but that's not, the, that's that's one of the few actual, like, good reasons they're doing it. This is all about money. Exactly. This and- is all about commercial viability. FIFA needs the money. They want to yeah. make the international game the dominant game. In, like seeing the patterns with Infantino, having eyes on the future of football cup, which we've talked about and I tweeted about, fundamental rule changes to the game itself, fundamental changes to the calendar. Let's face it, Infantino was right along of those lines where, as the saying goes, if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like it's also just the the fact that. I feel like you need to have less fixtures, not more. Completely and you're just agree. congesting the calendar more. Like, you don't need more stuff to have yeah. to deal with right now. Yeah, so. it's more is simply more. And UEFA can take a lesson from this, too. More is just more. More isn't better. Uh, at this point, like, listen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes further ahead. 
mm-hmm. because I'm sure FIFA can find more people that want to do this. But if UEFA really stands against it, man, this is not going to go anywhere and be very much like the Super League, an idea that just was an idea and dies. And uh, Asterisk on that one. Yeah, we'll see. But it's <laughs> just like, at this point, it's almost better to have the other idea that FIFA wanted to do, which was like have a club, like an actual real club World Cup, and, and instead of doing that. But it, you know, we'll... That will probably never happen because the club, all those crazy clubs would have to sign on, and I don't know what they would do that. But this is uh, – we probably talked about this more than I thought we were going to, but mm-hmm. it's a big topic. I don't think it's a good idea. I wouldn't be surprised that this is still going on uh, past the 22 World Cup happening, and it will probably get revived there. They will probably try to – before the 2026 World Cup, have this figured out whether this of course, is going to be a thing or not. Of course, yeah. So uh, we will move it along here to the last uh, topic that we're going to talk about. This was Rachel's topic originally. Um, since we already had this planned out before she um, had kind of told us what's um, going on, the NWSL got hit a big blow here to I feel like the players mm-hmm. and it's big game in that you're playing the NWSL championship in Portland on turf when there are mm-hmm. so many grass stadiums now available, big grass stadiums. We're not talking about like, Oh, they're all small little tiny stadiums. You can't fit hardly 10,000 people. in. we're talking about major stadiums. And you're going to play the game at 9 a.m. Pacific time because you have to get on CBS before the big college football game? Like, wow. That is such a terrible thing for those players, Eric. I mean, getting up at 5 a.m. to to eat? It's terrible for the players because you've got to eat at 5 a.m. and then – you're going through pre-match warm-ups and everything probably closer to about 7, 7.30, final things going on, and a 9 a.m. kickoff. So by the time the match is over, 11 or noon, you're shot. Plus, even again, going back to logistics, number one, it was great. The NWSL was continuing to make steps forward, having their championship game on CBS. You knew with expansion and extending the season, while they will be bene- very beneficial, you're getting to a deep in the season point to where, hey, CBS has got other priorities. They are SEC and college football kings. And you're getting to November 20th, the day of the championship game. That is in the thick of college football season. That's when they have their best games. So CBS is saying, hey, this is what helps make us our money. I'm sorry, NWSL. We've got to sit and talk. This won't work. Oh, yeah. No doubt. This is about CBS. And this is like mm-hmm. basically asking CBS, oh, well, you got to take the NFL game off that day so you can uh, put the NWSL on. That's not going to happen. It's not no. going to have a culture ball either. That no. is their major money maker, aside from the NFL game of that week or whatever, like 
you're you're barking up the wrong tree uh, with that one. Um, even if this was MLS, it's still not. It's not going to happen. Yeah, like ESPN is not going to move stuff very much for uh, college football games for for MLS either. So, like you're this is this is just not a good look. As far as I get it, you got to be on CBS because you need the ratings. You mm-hmm. need any all eyes on this. People that have antennas can watch this game. You don't have oh, to have Lord. cable. You don't right. have to have Paramount Plus. You don't have to have CBS Sports Network. You want to be on big CBS. I get that from a, a NWSL perspective. Yeah. Right? That's – but this is – the league has to think about this from a different perspective of isn't the most important thing in your league the players? Exactly. Like, and- this is bad for the players on twofold. Yeah, because – Okay, if you're committed to that noon time slot, why Portland? Why does it have to be Portland again? Yes, Portland is still a relatively new stadium, but between the time zone difference, between the turf, you could easily have this. Well, they're picking Portland because of the atmosphere. Okay. Right? They're picking Portland because you know it's going to be full. Okay, but you're telling me, yes, you're guaranteeing full. Would you even necessarily guaranteeing full if those fans are going to have to be up and at the park at nine in the morning? I mean, yeah. Well, you no. Can go, you can go ahead and tailgate with, you know, eggs and bacon and pancakes and everything. I've seen that happen before. But logistically, how? If you're keeping this at a noon Eastern time spot, you can have it on into the East Coast or have it somewhere in the Eastern time zone. Be better for fans, easier time for them to get there and be ready and pump up the crowd, easier to air, easier on the players, all that. I don't know. I see a whole bunch of wrongs with this one. And then on top of that, as you had mentioned, playing on the turf. How many times have we seen a lot of players all around saying, hey, turf is not the best for us? Not yeah, we saw we saw that. this from Ali Krieger. She tweeted out that I can't believe we're playing the championship game on turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alyssa Nair was upset about the time. We're talking about a uh, big. We're talking about uh, big games. Like mm-hmm. uh, this is the biggest game of the season for that yes. for that company. And yeah, and you're throwing all of this. Well, not entirely throwing it away, but close to it, ignoring what's a huge pivotal moment for your brand just by doing this. This is something that sets a lot of leagues back. It really does. I mean, I don't know. It seems like the NWSL is married to this idea. Realistically, they shouldn't be. And I hope, since we're far enough out, that some sort of alternative can happen. But if this is how you're starting, basically being a self-contained league, you're making decisions like this about your championship. That's something you really need to think about up top because your fans are thinking about it. Your players are certainly thinking and rightfully letting everyone know their thoughts about it. It's up to you to listen. Yeah, I just don't I don't see how the fans are gonna be happy about having to get up at 9 a.m. for this kind of thing either. Uh like you said. 
Um, it's just it it doesn't make sense on so many levels. I don't know why we're doing it. It's I get it. Again, you need to be on big CBS, but you don't need to be on CBS that bad that you're hurting the rest of what makes that game special. Yes. Uh, for for to be on CBS because guess what? It's a rating. It's one rating that's not going to determine whether you get picked up by CBS again because CBS knows why you can't be on big CBS. If CBS is going to decide that one game on whether or not to pick you up for another season or whatever, they know why you can't be on big CBS. They know their own schedule. Mm-hmm. So if you have to be on big CBS later in the day or you don't, you're not on big CBS, you're on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports Network and YouTube or whatever, they're going to take all those numbers and they're going to know, hey, we know that you're in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. But there's just – this is another conversation for another time about should MLS and NWSL get on the FIFA calendar. But we should have that topic one day. I think it would be an interesting topic for, for us to talk about. Look, uh, we, we don't need they – would, they would take us uh, – you know, really, this will make it a really long podcast. We don't need to do that. So. <laughs> To to end this here, bad move by NWSL, bad Very. move by the everybody that had to make that decision. Terrible, Very. terrible move. You do not care about your players. You don't care about uh, the fans. Like you're making them get up at freaking eight, seven a.m., seven, eight a.m. to to be available for this. Like it's dumb. So you know, let's go ahead. Uh, that's gonna be it for. Um, oh well, wait. Let's uh, do this really quickly here. Supporters Club. Um, Eric, uh, basically it's just domestic stuff here um, because all the other leagues were international break at this point. Um, Venezuela was terrible, mm-hmm. as you'd expect. Two games, two red cards, no goals. Uh, almost, I can't remember the guy's name. He almost freaking crippled Messi. Uh, what a terrible tackle that was. He deserves to be suspended if he's not been already. Uh, I, I can't. I cannot condone that at all. It's it's absolute ridiculous. You don't need it. And and you already had. I think he was only playing because the other uh, Venezuelan defender had torn his ACL. I think early in the game or whatever. So it's Ooh. it's still look. Uh, Venezuela is one of the worst teams, and uh, they have gone past that uh, time where they were they had a moment. Um, they are not in that anymore, and uh, it's sad to see that what the uh, team has become now. Uh, going back to those those years of just playing dirty to to try to get by, and it's it's frustrating for me. Uh, good on England for playing extremely well in both of their games. Uh, obviously, they played on door in the second one. There's only so much you could take out of that, but definitely have a big game against Poland coming up on Wednesday that I think will really cement uh, where they are and definitely being the big leaders of uh, the group that they're in. And Dallas lost a tough one to Real Salt Lake. They were up 1-0, then down 3-1. No, Ricardo Pepe, obviously. Uh, Jesus Ferreira with a, a fantastic goal that you need to go watch uh, to tie to put it 3-2, but wasn't enough. And good on uh, Dallas for at least trying to come back, uh, but they couldn't do it. Eric? Yeah, uh, for everybody else, as you say, they were out. Julio Urso. Thank you so much. Orlando City, 2-0 lead against Columbus. Great. Crew come back and equalize. Arrow pool. Basically, with DK in his form, 
banging him in just like he did as Barnsley. Orso comes in, gets the winner, 3-2. Well, it is a little bit unfortunate because I know Rachel was at this game. She would have really helped provide that extra perspective, but very glad that we're still towards the top of that chase pack behind New England. Oh, I, I can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. And then, of course, yeah. with Rachel, like as she had mentioned, we talked about with in CONCACAF Costa Rica and World Cup qualifying, Russia with a big 2-0 win over Malta. Very good on them. And in the NWSL, OL Reign and Louisville playing to a draw. Ooh, we've got quite a bit going on, thankfully. Yeah, I mean, certainly in Russia, tied on points. Uh, with Croatia in that group, uh, they have been doing well to keep keep pace right now with uh, with Croatia. So it's uh, it's been uh, really fun to watch these international qualifiers. Some of these uh, these groups are really tight uh, right now in the UEFA, like Netherlands, Norway tied on points. Croatia, Russia, I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's. Um, it's been a, it's going to be a, a fun one for some of these groups to watch them play out. Spain and Sweden with with Spain falling to Sweden uh, to give uh, you know, and they're they're really tight right now with their group. Portugal and Serbia keeping up with each other. So um, some of these are really going to be uh, going down to the wire. And we know what happens when you're second in those groups going to those playoffs. It's never a given at all. No, nope. uh, what's gonna What's going to happen in Armenia is also there with Germany too. So, yeah, man, this is going to be a, an interesting thing for sure uh, when it comes to that. But uh, ending it here uh, for this week on Soccer to the Max, uh, for Eric and myself, uh, man, it'll be a fun to a fun to get back to the club scene. Of course, uh, Manchester United getting debut Ronaldo on <laughs> Saturday. He may not start. Uh, he may come off the bench. We'll see how that goes, but definitely going to be a fun one for Saturday. Obviously, in that bad kickoff window for England, though, because that's or well, actually, the Europe. Um, at least, well, at least in in the UK, you cannot watch a, the three p.m. kickoff game, which is ten the ten ten thirty kickoff here uh, in the morning, because it's a mandatory blackout to make sure that people go to the stadium. Uh, so. Uh, that is still in place, unfortunately. Don't think they're going to change that for one player. And, yeah, if he debuts, you're not going to be able to see it live. You'll have to watch it on Zone or whatever later or on replay or uh, whatnot. Oh, I'm YouTube. sure match of the day will be all over it. If not, they should yeah. be. I- I'm looking at you, BBC. Uh, you already know yeah. what to do. <laughs> yeah, you know they are. Uh, you know they are. But it will be fun to get back to club football. Um, again, we'll be back tomorrow with the final U.S. Men's National Team game against Honduras. Uh, that game starts at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, so we'll be ending at like around 12. And then, you know, we'll have a show right after that. Uh, and then that's it for World Cup qualifying for at least a month. And we'll get back to club soccer for the most part. So until uh, tomorrow. We'll see you later, everybody. Peace.